Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Comment to Podcast, where we talk about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. And the Crime Junkies are back doing anything but crime. We hope that you are having a great summer. Um, there's one uh, week left to July, and that will be like the end of summer in terms of months. But you know, the heat never dies down, especially when you're in the South. We hope you are drinking your water, wearing a sunscreen and a mask. Um, before we jump into today's uh, episode, Marion, how are you? How are we? How are we doing? Are you surviving the the heat? I am. I'm getting more into dresses because I just I can't do the heat and jeans. Yes, join the dark side. <laughs> Nothing but long skirts, dresses. I gave up jeans like two years ago. <laughs> like I have some. I have like colorful jeans though right that i can like wear with outfits but like i don't know maybe i just haven't actually shopped for jeans either but yeah i'm glad to hear you're surviving um i've been chill school starting up i have a classroom to decorate all that good stuff um but uh, before we get started today's episode, I did want to make a statement that the Compton Podcast is 110% supporting the writers and actor strike that is currently going on. Um, with that being said, we're probably not going to do a lot of um, deconstructing Disney right now because uh, as you've seen on the news, Disney CEO is a piece of shit. And so uh, we're not going to try to drive any traffic towards there. I have seen mixed reviews about what content creators should be doing in support. Um, some are saying that the strike is not calling for people to stop going to the movies or stop supporting shows that are coming out on these platforms. And I've seen some that says you should not support them. So I'm thinking... Um, if anything, we would support more of the indie projects that are coming out of these big corporations and doing our best not to watch any of the staple things that they know are going to get views. Um, because we know that when small projects don't get views and that's used as, um, what do you call it? Fodder as bullets, as, you know, a reason for things not to be made in the future. And when I saw the promotions for Kazazimoto generation fire i was like okay we definitely have to watch this i definitely want to support this project because we can always use more black animation and so we i did not watch it on disney plus though i do encourage you to watch it on disney plus especially after i did some more research about the the strikes that are going on right now so um if y'all have any more information about what specifically content creators are doing please let us know i know a lot of content creator, content creators who are who do talk about movies and stuff like that have decided to start talking about like older movies or things that you can find on you know um swashbuckling websites so um just want to put that as a psa out there before we get into this week's episode um marin Mm-hmm. Had you seen anything about Kazazimoto before I brought it up? Um, yes, I'd seen it on Twitter a little mm. bit, but I really just really didn't know much about it. But I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that at the time that you had brought it up that it was already out. Yes, yes. So for those of you who don't know, Kazazimoto Generation Fire is an African futuristic animated anthology short film series produced by Triggerfish. 
Um, Triggerfish is a computer animation and film studio based out of Cape Town, South Africa. Um, it premiered on July 5th on Disney+. Plus. Uh, each film has an African perspective from one or more directors on themes such as social media, duality, disability, self-reflection, shared humanity, and a bunch of other uh, topics I definitely had seen. I feel like when Disney released, like what it was releasing in the the, the second, the third quarter, mm-hmm. or the second half of the year, I saw the teasers for this and the videos, the posters for it, and I didn't. I don't think I realized at the time that it was an anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys don't know what an anthology is, it's usually just a short series of stories. They're not continuous. Um, if you watch Love and Robots, that's similar to what, um uh kazazimoto is it's just um a bunch of different animators um coming in with different stories and perspectives and things like that so it was um very interesting to watch what is your like first we've both all watched 10 episodes and before we get into detail of each one of them what is like your general general um reaction to the series um, I liked it. I, every episode, I kind of went into like, oh, what's the, where are we going in this episode? You know, because every <laughs> yes. single one, even if they were all futuristic, they were mm-hmm. unique in their own way. Yes, which I think is uh, a great thing to point out is that, um, besides the animation being different for each project, it's that the message, the stories, and the type of futurism that each, um project holds is really different and um i definitely haven't watched a lot of anthologies and i was definitely thinking of like because we watched um love death and robots yeah uh, something a little bit more dark and then i forgot this is on disney plus i'm like oh this is probably geared towards children (laughs) and so especially when almost every single main character was a child and Mm -hmm. i was like okay so yeah so after i like like switch my brain from like grown me to like um i'm not even teacher me just be like okay so this is not going to be heavy heavy but it's definitely going to be influential um i definitely enjoyed it um and once again i always love i think that my favorite thing about anthologies is to see all the different types of animation styles there are mm-hmm. um i feel like i think i've complained about this before when we talk about disney current animation styles that i really liked the um the golden generation animation styles i preferred the way they drew people then and mm-hmm. so it's always interesting to see what type of um because animation has the i think the, the best thing about animation is is that it you can make people look so out of this world <laughs> that it, you know and it just works you can just kind of roll with it so with that being said we're going to read off all the synopsis for each episode talk about what we liked talk about what we didn't like um uh and we're just gonna talk about the show and hope you go support it because um small projects like this definitely need numbers so corporations know that we would want more of them so the first episode is called herderboard it's by raymond i'm going to i'm sorry i'm to all of my um black brothers and sisters who created this shit i do not know how to pronounce your names and i apologize <laughs> for that now <laughs> um raymond malinga uh is the director and it's written by raymond malinga and mm, mm, 
4OC22. Sorry. Um, and I also, you know what? I should have listened to the, the main characters say their names before we did this. But anyway, um, it's about a boy named Dahara, Dahura, who jumps off a spaceship over the Tewezi Highlands and meets his sister, Captain Kanato, who is herding cattle with two fellow herders named Odushemi and is is in Goma. The cattle produce Tezunite are harvested for their crystals powering their society. When a Yamyanga beast attacks, everyone is pinned down. Uh, later, Duhara follows it into a cave after freeing a trapped calf. He fights and tames the Yamyanga beast and with a crystal. He then returns to Kanatona and her fellow herders who welcome him into the group. First episode, first thoughts. Um, I thought it was nice. It's not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I forgot it a little bit after I watched mm-hmm. all the other ones. Yes. But um, I think it was like yeah, a good one to start out with. Yes, I thought it was a good opener. I do like the animation style for this one. Mm-hmm. I, I always think it's interesting when um, Afro, future, futuristic shows in general still incorporate things like harvesting to be done by humans or like right. herding to be done by humans. I always think it's interesting. That being said, the minute that boy got onto that field, I said, oh, he's about to fuck shit up. This is a disobedient <laughs> child. You're about to do something that is not, you're not listening to nobody. Um, Not listening to nobody causing problems, but you know, he came out of the end because he's our little hero or whatever. Um, The calf being taken, the calf, the, the noises that the calf was making, <laughs> crying, really yeah. just took me out for some reason. I was like, this poor baby, somebody save him also like the idea that this patch of grass is the only patch of grass and it's near the tunnel where these spirits are i'm like we can't transport the grass somewhere else i can't (laughs) of course we can't because we needed you know a a catalyst to make Mm -hmm. our hero be a hero or whatever but i was like jesus (laughs) be a fit um but yes, I really did love the animation for this one. I thought it was very really interesting. I definitely agree with you. It was a really good opener. And I'm definitely going to end up showing these to my kids right. eventually because I think these are really cool. So, um, what do you rate this episode real quick out of 10? I give it like a, a 7. I think it's a good opening. I would do the same. Yeah, 7. Okay. Next we have uh, Kuzushi, Kuz, Kuzushi, the Spirit Racer. It's directed by I'm I'm mm, Sima Galiso and Sibia Sima Galiso Sibia and Malcolm Wope, and written by Leslie Pulsifier. Um, in the Sovito circuit, Manzo loses the race but comes face to face with Ogun, a super intergalactic racing overlord who declares that he rules over the neighborhood and will begin to mount. Uh, demolition the following day. Manzo's mother, in her disguise as uh, Imkuzi, agrees to race. However, Manzo takes his mom's place and he's able to win after merging with Changu to become all parts Zulu. Ogun agrees to leave the neighborhood alone and looks forward to the next race. This synopsis didn't really um, cover the entire basis of the story. Basically, mm-hmm. there's this circuit race there's a character named Manzo who's beaten the number one champion. 
um, the number one champion doesn't like that shit. And so he decides to buy their neighborhood and threatens to evict everyone. <laughs> I was like, I don't, this is not gentrification, but it's definitely evil. Yeah, it's um, them stomping on the fruit. There was an old lady in the story, one of like the neighbors, and Ogun lands his fucking ship in the middle of the street. She drops all her fruit, and then his goons, like in a attempt to like um threaten everybody, just stops on all her fruit, <laughs> and she's making these sounds. She's like, oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, then, all right, you're a bad person. And so basically, Ogun utilizes the neighborhood and the eviction as a thing to make um, Nkuzi come back to the race. And so Manzo, who is Nkuzi's son, ends up doing the race, which I thought was interesting. I was like, they were like going hyperspeed. And I was like, they're like, nobody survives hyperspeed. And I'm like, why is that a fucking option? But you know. Even, like, car racing in general, mm-hmm. without space involved, is fucking dangerous. <laughs> so, right. the idea of a child who's, like, what, 10? <laughs> on a on a motorcycle. He's not even, like, in a car. He's, right. like, on a motorcycle. And I'm like, that's a recipe for disaster. But, you know, we're going to let your hero-ness, this hero-ness. It was, everything was going okay. Because this, this particular story... um like the first one the message behind it was listening to your elders and kind of like um i guess kind of like innovation but also like listening to your elders but also innovating so you could protect people because um Dahara and Herder boy ended up being able to control you know one of the beasts that they're afraid of right and in the spirit racer um it's about connecting to your ancestors and so he connects he merges with Jangu, who is the name of the bike or the system for the bike, um, and it makes him become all part Zulu. And then they turn, they have an Autobot form, and I was like, <laughs> "That's when my brain just was like, you know what? I'm gonna let the story be everyone want to be because why? Why do your cars have a fighting form? I thought we were racing. <laughs> Transformers are everywhere." Transformers are everywhere. (laughs) So I thought that was, yes. Um, So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, It was very. I think this was one of the only ones where like space was related to stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. Um, Plot wise, it's a six because I was just like, what? But the animation for this one reminded me of Cartoon Network. I say the same thing, yeah. I really like the animation of this one, actually. Yes, I like the character design for um, Manzo, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool, and so I really did. So I, but I still give it a six because I was just like, plot-wise, you lost me when they, you know, you know, robots in disguise. <laughs> so, but the rest of it I thought was cool. Also, he's like half alien, so I'm like, who the fuck is his daddy? Now I can say that this was one of the first plots that made me to that curious about the character's background. Because mm-hmm. what do you mean you're half human? <laughs> what do you mean? All right. Um, so yes, mine's is a 6. I'll do a 6.5 for the Spirit Race. i give it a 7 as well. Okay. Next we have Moremi by Shofila Coker. 
um, and it's written by Shafila Coker and Vanessa Kanu. Uh, Lou runs back to his home and is greeted by Malimba. He is later saved from the soul eating. Okay, wait. I need to. So Lou is a child who looks like he's locked in some kind of ruins, right? Mm-hmm. He has some gadget attached to his heart, and the minute he's like scared or tired, he um has to run back and get charged. He goes back to his house among these ruins. He, he's charging his heart and Malimba is this bird that kind of protects him. Um, um, all of a sudden he finds out there's somebody there named Murami, and Murami saves him from soul stealing monsters that come to eat him. Um and when he's with Murami, he learns the story of how a woman closed the doorway between the worlds between um the worlds of the soul eating monsters and her world and she promised the gods she like made a promise to the gods that she would do everything sacrifice her heart to save mankind or whatever and so she was doing that um she was able to close the doors but then the gods were like remember the promise you had um the promise you had that you saved your heart and so they ended up transferring her heart physically and then like metaphorically as into her child. And so they took her child away from her. And of course she could not rest. Um, and so later Lou returns. And, and so while this is happening, obviously Murami and Lou are mother and son. And she's explaining to him that she's been trying to get her son back from the gods and so while this is happening, they still have to fight these soul stealing monsters. And then, um, and then, well, this synopsis says that Lou returns and merges his life force with the child Olu, allowing one of me to finally be reunited with him. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, because Lou and Olu are the same, it's the same name, it's just different letters. Um, so he merges back with his body, which is still with his mother, and saves her and kills the old the soul stealing spirits now i don't know about you but i was very confused about this part. <laughs> i no i i got it half i figured that that was her son son yeah. yeah that part i got it was the promise with the gods that i was i, I don't understand why she had to give him up mm. i think that's where it lost me <laughs> i think it's i think it's because because there's always a, a sacrifice Mm-hmm. whenever you because tell me why I'm, this storyline reminded me of the anime that we all watched um with the little children and oh. um do you remember that anime? Oh. Ne- promise neverland yes the promise neverland jesus something, very, something <laughs> yes. very similar happened at the end of the storyline mm-hmm. and so i was just like the the like the gods always ask for a bigger sacrifice if you want peace for some reason <laughs> because god forbid they actually do anything right they're like yes we will do that for you heart. because we have the power however <laughs> you will have to sacrifice something big i'm like damn yes. well i just know when this started i was like this child has no melanin so something is obviously <laughs> wrong something's obviously wrong um I I thought the animation style for this one was interesting. The all the souls mm-hmm. the the all soul eating monster things mm-hmm. remind me of baby toys, and I don't know why. Cause they're like 
put together animals uh-huh. and reminds me of baby toys. Okay. Maybe that's just me that it just triggered something and I was like, that reminds me of a baby toy. But um I was a little confused on the plot. I'm still going with the six because it did it did hit the fields or whatever. I thought it was very pretty to look at, but I'll give it a six. Yeah, I give it a six too. Um this was the first like emotional one, I guess. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're on number four, Surf Sangomoa. Um, it's directed by Nintato Mogata and Catherine Green. And then both of them wrote it along with Fulami Piccoli. Um, Mazid is ensnared mm, by squids. Her grandson, Jabulu, is unable to save her, and she's pulled down to the ocean's depths. Years later, in um, Jabulu is a surfing coach, and he talks to his friends, uh, in Kobe and Kobe both um both race one another until they reach a secret spot and are encouraged by the locals, you mean the thugs, there to enter the dangerous waters of the surf. Uh Jabula refuses, but his friend obliges later. Uh Kobe helps the locals rob um Jabulu and take his surfboard, which is all he has left of his grandmother. Following this, he is current is encouraged by his grandmother's voice to return to the tumultuous ocean and face his fears, where he saves his friend, uh, Ngobi, um, who the renegade surfers are holding as hostage. Uh, Ngobi and Jabulu survive in a final scene. A huge squid roars and prepares to approach the city. Now, I have questions. Why the fuck? Would you ever want to get in the water where squids are actively attacking you? I <laughs> I was like, am I, I was like, <laughs> you put the squid on your head and it helps you surf? breathe. Breathe. It helps you breathe. Okay. Okay. It helps you breathe. Um, the, When they did that the first time, I was like, oh, this is this is out of this world. <laughs> y'all are y'all are not okay. Um, the villain for this one was great character design. She was yeah. fucking awful. <laughs> mm-hmm. The absolute worst. Um, I thought this one was very. As somebody who doesn't like the fucking deep water and would never surf a day in my goddamn life. Right. Um, the message behind this was very interesting. You know, facing your fears. All that good stuff. His friend betraying him twice took me out, though. I was just like, <laughs> and we're still gonna save this man? The Leo in me is too strong. I would've, it would've been gone and God of glory at the time. Because how you gonna bring the motherfuckers to my house to steal oh, my grandmother's yeah. surfboard? I was like, I was invested in this story. <laughs> I was extremely invested because I want to know has the water always been like that? And if the water has always been like that, y'all still gonna surf on it? Excuse me? <laughs> You're telling me that that entire ocean is squid? Like, it's not even like... Most animals in the sea are afraid of you, right? right. Unless it's an orca. Because fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a goddamn orca, most animals are afraid of you. Um, oh, they're too big to care about you, right? Mm-hmm. Squids have a like octopus, and in general, are extremely smart <laughs> animals. And squids actively, like actively attacking you, like not even like 
you did something to them and it's like a retaliation. No, you fall in the water and them bitches are <laughs> coming for your life. <laughs> like piranhas. <laughs> like piranhas. And I was just like, is there no other water? Is it the entire ocean that's like that? That's why he's the 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 what is it, the face of the virtual or like indoor surfing thing. Yeah. And so I cuz I I would never get in the ocean ever again. Like you never. Know, Excuse ever. Me. <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> Go where? And the idea that like once you fall below i guess how far the squids can go down it's okay like he looks like a normal ocean or i don't know if that was just in his head with his grandmother um and i guess he's special i guess i don't know i that the one part of that plot is that i guess he can breathe underwater or i don't know if that was in his head right yeah i don't know if that was in his head or he can't breathe underwater whatever happened though we did fucking win um, but I was, I definitely missed the huge squid at the end that roars. Cause what the fuck does that mean then? <laughs> I saw that and I said, uh huh, okay. Okay, story done. No, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, this is like the one, the first one that I was like truly invested in everything that was happening. And so, um, I definitely give this one like an eight. I give it like a six. Yeah, the animation was cool. Mm-hmm. This was the one that was. It's one of the darker ones out of the yeah. entire series, but I thought I think that if this one became a full series, I would definitely watch it out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. So now on number five, we have first totem problems by Seppo Mochi, and he wrote and oh, they wrote and directed this. Um, Sheba can't get on a train because it doesn't identify her as an adult, um, and. This whole Afro-futuristic um, world that they're in, it seems like you get identified by the totem um, on your wrist once you become uh, an adult. And it, like, lets you into... Um, it lets you into, you know, the trains, the subway, all that good stuff. So she can't get on the subway... We see that her and her family are fighting about which totem she could take. She could take the totem of a healer, which is one side of her family, and I don't remember what the other side was. And so she attends this totem ceremony, and she doesn't get her totem. And she's like, well, I'll be damned because I will be an adult today. I want to get away from my family and all their arguing. So she goes into, like, um, the spirit plane where her ancestors are, and them bitches are fighting. And so because them bitches are fighting, she can't get her goddamn totem. So while she's trying not to let her body rot on the outside, in the outside world, she has to basically get her grandparents to um, agree on which totem to give her. She ends up taking both of them um, and becomes one with their community. Uh she finds the totem printing room so that the total connects the one's community rather than what is manufactured. Um, she uses both of their hands to copy uh, a unique total for herself that's half of her maternal and paternal sides. And she leaves the ceremony and now she's considered an adult. So yeah, this is our first female lead. <laughs> this one was funny and I... Yes. The, the art style was definitely giving Cartoon Network. Um, um, yes. What is that? What is that show? 
that makes it look like this. I know it's a show. It's not. It's not Adventure Time. What is it? Is it um? Is it new? Or was no? It? It's an older show. Oh. But it definitely gets Cartoon Network. Yes. Chowder. No. Okay. Oh well, yeah. Well, it's kind of Chowder. It's the. It's the very popular one. Gumball. No. This is no. Not The one that everyone talks about. They always talk about it on the read. Um, oh. Oh, Steven Universe. Yeah. Steven Universe. Yes. There you go. Yeah, very Steven Universe. Very the Bears. Bears. Um, that kind of round, bubbly animation. Which I thought was cool. Um, but this was a, definitely a comedy. <laughs> it was definitely relatable. Um, I think... I thought it was interesting, but I thought it was boring compared to the rest of the stories of the series. Mm-hmm. Like, like it was funny, but right. it wasn't what it wasn't um, outstanding. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I give it a six. I'd give it like a six point five. I did like the humor. Okay, we're on to number six. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce this. Okay, um, once again, I apologize. <laughs> Um, Mukudesi by Pionis Yanyewa and Tafazwa Hove. Um, also written by Tafazwa Hove. Um, Muko spray paints a ruin of Great Zimbabwe. Um, so this is this this child or young person is a streamer. Um, and he streams himself. Uh spray painting graffiti artists all this stuff and he decides that he's going to graffiti spray paint a giant ruin i wanted to kick him in his face the first i I was like what are we doing (laughs) right i was like you know your ancestors you know that's bad juju i don't understand (laughs) what's happening but of course he's doing it He's spray painting the ruin by swinging off of a giant boulder that is atop the ruin. Now, I remind you that this boulder to 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 ruin ratio is like a ping pong on a ping pong ball on top of like a cone, and he's got all of these wires wrapped up here. And I said, "This is just some this is male species bullshit." Because what in the fucking? <laughs> why wouldn't you just like I don't know? scale the thing you're like swinging and shit of right. course you're going to fall off <laughs> i thought he was gonna kill that woman underneath i said oh my god i would have screamed of her kids. oh my god the, so a woman is mourning somebody at the the base of the statue and on the synopsis on wikipedia says he mocks somebody mourning the dead he does start to film her I don't know yeah. if he mocks her. I don't know if he mocks her. Yeah. He films her. He's basically distracted enough that he's this the lines the <laughs> the lines of whatever the hell he's rigged up to snaps. And he's tra- as he falls and almost hits the woman, he is transported to an alternate dimension due to a timeline glitch. Um He's like dropped off in this like shaded area, and there's a scavenger who's like got goggles on and really cool hair. She tries to take the headphones from him, and then the giant, a giant fucking golden crow was it a crow, an eagle, whatever the fuck that bird was? Um, comes it's the it's 
what we learn is that that is the police, the justice system in this timeline glitch of Great Zimbabwe. Um, and it's called um, Mutagenda, and Rumbi is the name of the scavenger, right? And their parallel universe that was never colonized. Um, he escapes, Rumbi helps him escape from the bird. And he's finding out about Great Zimbabwe. He needs to see the city and all this stuff. And he learns that Rumbi um, is not from Mutadenka. That she is from his timeline of Great Zimbabwe. But um, she and her brother were also playing around the ruin um, when the timeline glitched. And her brother did not survive. Um, and so she's been here for three or four years and we basically, um, but then, um, Muku shows her the footage of her mother and says that I think you should go back. And so while they're trying to escape this bird to get back to a point where the glitch will happen again, they realize that the bird is not trying to capture them, that the bird is trying to help them return to the past. And so thanks to the bird, Rumi and Muku go back to the portal where Rumi is reunited to her mother and Muku ends up calling his father, who he explained is always on his case about um about what he does for a living and all that kind of stuff. And this one was definitely caught me in my feelings. Mm-hmm. I thought it was beautiful. I think um, Rumbi is one of my like top three favorite character designs out of this series. You know what She's I love? So I love pretty. The- what I think is the birthmark on her forehead and the blonde. I I don't. Yes, I don't. But I don't think it's birthmark. I think it's vitiligo. Because she, oh, she okay. has it on her hands too. Oh, I didn't yeah. notice it on her hands. Okay. Yes. So she has vitiligo, and it's she's just so pretty. Like when they do like a full close up shot of her face, I was like, oh, I want a tattoo of her or like a cosplay of her t shirt. I need merch. Like I was like. <laughs> she's so pretty and i love her hair like the giant afro puffs um and so i definitely enjoyed this episode it did help me in my feeling especially when she got back to her mom and they were like crying and hugging i was like well damn well damn um but yes so for this episode i definitely give like an 8.5 it was one of my favorites um i think i'd give it like a 7.5 okay now we're on to number Yes. I do like the fact that they point futuristic Zimbabwe is an uncolonized Zimbabwe. I was like, ooh, yes, the little little je- the little uh, fact right there. The history, the right. little drop, <laughs> little drop of history, the drop of reality for you. Mm-hmm. Um, next, we have Atima, which is uh, directed by Terence Maluleki and Isaac Moganze. Um, Isaac Morganton and also wrote this. Um, and more a merboy named Mati, who lives in an underwater city, reflects on his father, and wants when, and wonders when he will become um become a warrior. So of course we have a boy who's ready to be a man. His older brother is like, um, babe, I'm gonna need you to chill. No, obviously I think their father was killed by the surface people. And he wants to become a warrior to fight them. His brother, of course, Sana, says he isn't ready yet and won't last a day against their enemy. Um, when Mati uh, proposes 
that they use the hatima the hatima is this like um it's like a liquid or a stone or something against their foes because that's how the surface people use hatima sana says only the air breathers use those those hatima for a weapon of war the um underwater society the mer people use hatima as a healing property mm-hmm. so later mati learns that he and his society are descended from a woman named nahila who combined herself with a hatima and was shunned by her society um as a result <laughs> he helps to castle his foe and realizes that he and his enemy are related and should be fighting with one another so a further explanation about nahila is that um basically while Mati and Sana are having this conversation, they get attacked by air breathers again, who were just like, you guys are animals, you guys are monsters. And obviously, I was like, Earth humans, of course y'all are doing some bullshit <laughs> about people who are different than you, right? Those were my first thoughts. And then Mati, um, he tries to fight. He he tries to fight without using Hatima. Um, it doesn't work. He gets incredibly scared and runs away from the air breathers only to be followed by a a a boy who is similar his age who is an air breather and they tumble into this space where they found a memory orb and in the memory orb it shows you how the mer people became Uh, a disabled woman named nahila who was an air breather of um and was the daughter of like a priest or the chief or whatever um, had always been researching the Hatima and was trying to figure out um, a way to heal herself. And it it's a very obvious story about disabled people and how they're treated in um, society and specifically more in African societies. Um, and, and how her family was just kind of like, she was trying to tell them and explain to them that she thinks she can get the Hatima to heal her. And they were like, well, you're doing, well, first you're doing something that we've never done before. Second of all, you don't need to be healed. And it's like, she, but she's obviously unhappy. She's obviously being kind of kept apart from the rest of society because she's disabled. Um, and so she realizes that if you put sodium chloride salt into the Hatima, it becomes a healing property. And so she does that, but the i guess the price to pay for that is that she becomes a mer person mm-hmm. she becomes you know she can breathe with water all of the stuff she's shunned by her you see how her father and her sister react to her how how her everybody in that society reacts to her and so basically nahila helps the other disabled people within her community heal and her sister's like, why do you have to go? I don't want you to go. She's like, well, people are scared of us. I have to go. And so she, that's when Nahila and all of the people who were healed by the Hatima then become mer people. And eventually the society kind of splits between the air breathers and the water breathers. And I was 110% so invested in the story. When the in the pod to show them like their history mm-hmm. i was like oh and then the show ended <laughs> i was like i was like no, no. no. give me more <laughs> oh my god this reminds me why i don't watch many like chinese dramas or webtoons because i'm like if y'all did that to me and it was just like no guarantee of the season two i would be so pissed off <laughs> i'd be so mad but this one, I would definitely love to see a full series because I think it's so very much important 
um that people are aware of um their prejudice or unknown prejudice against disabled people and it's such Mm -hmm. a big thing to unlearn because it's so ingrained in our society to not care about those especially like when you think about like when people get sick and it's like if you can't see disability then people don't think you're disabled yeah so there's a lot that ties into disabilities and um being an advocate not an advocate but um an ally Mm -hmm. to disabled people and so this was a great great story and it would be such I was, I'm like, I'm definitely going to use this during our social and emotional learning um, times if we are ever going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. At my school, it's a great top. It's a great way to open up because right. it doesn't, it, it doesn't vilify disabled people, which a right. lot of media does. And so that was, it's so good. And if anything comes out of this entire anthology, I would love more stories in this vein Mm -hmm. this one gets a nine for me it was so good yeah same so very good okay next we have stardust it's um noara noara is uh what did they call her palettes she's a palette so you were in this kind of i guess would be northern african that's what i was thinking Mm -hmm. society northern african society a child of noir is watching the oracle who provides scrolls to the people basically telling them what their destiny is like you open the scroll and it kind of opens up like a firework and you get to be there you're gonna be a doctor you're gonna be a teacher and i was like oh cool i wish life was that fucking easy but you know (laughs) um and she she goes to ask she wants to scroll very badly but pallids or i guess people with scars like hers i guess it's a certain group of people within the society are shunned and they're not allowed to have scrolls but she's like i want a scroll i want a destiny she takes the scroll she waits for her time she opens the scroll there's nothing in it my heart broke for her at that moment i was like that motherfucking you do that to her <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing, you know I live, you know I'm a millennial and then I live in the 21st century when I saw that oracle, I said, this bitch is a scam artist. (laughs) (laughs) This is a story for children, Tori. (laughs) But I was like, that bitch is a scam artist. Um, But of course, she was just like, I will get my fucking destiny. So she plans to go steal scrolls from the oracle. So the oracle is leaving town to get to the observatory because the star he has is dying and he has to get back to so he can make more stardust and give people more scrolls and stuff so as he's first of all he has a triceratops (laughs) pulling his cart (laughs) i was just like is it a robot triceratops or an actual triceratops? Um, I thought that was interesting character design or whatever. But the pallets, I guess, are like highway robbers or whatever. And they try to take the Oracle out. Um, Nuara, realizing that she fucked up and got the Oracle in trouble, was just like, okay, let me help you. She ends up helping. It seems like the Oracle got in, was got you know taken by the pallets and so her and the triceratops 
um, still make their way to the observatory where she's able to um, get the star, put in the observatory, make more stardust. And the Oracle pops up. And he's like, look, you made it. And, uh, and he tells her that the scrolls are not there to, um, you know, he, he gave her the right kind of scroll. He gave her his scroll. The scrolls are not there to uh, give you your destiny or give you a way of life. It's there to push you in the right direction. And I thought that was a really cool story. Uh, and she stays and we're implying that she's going to become the next Oracle. Um, this is written and directed by uh, Ahmed Talaba. Uh, Talab. Talab, yes. Okay. I was glad to see another female character <laughs> as a lead. Uh, I thought that the animation for this one was very pretty as well. I like this kind of like realistic but individualistic kind of animation. I feel like the current Disney animation kind of is the same head and body for everybody and it does right. kind of make them unique. And so I love the uniqueness of this. And as somebody who's always kind of nervous about their future and what's going to happen, I, me and the water, I felt, I felt her deep level. <laughs> I would watch um, this if this was a series. This I'd watch it. Yeah, I would think this would be a really good movie. Like a really good... It would. Hour-long animated movie for kids. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it gave you like the peaks and the dives and she becomes the oracle. I'm like, right. well, how do you make Stardust then? And then what happens on her first day as an oracle? I feel like it'd be a good little, a good little nice little tight little movie. Um, but I give this one like a a seven, and a seven is not bad. It's just I thought it was compared to the rest of the stories. It's 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 calmer. It is. Um, but I did really appreciate the 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 animation in this one a lot actually <laughs> and it was nice to see diversity because when people think of the continent of Africa or who mm-hmm. lives in Africa they only think of one type of person and so to see different you know western Africa south Africa you know northern Africa um, stories being told was really cool yeah I'd say the same thing um this could have gone real existential crisis moment for kids, but Oof, they really took yes. care of it at the end. <laughs> I was like, how are you going to end this story? But they did it. They did pretty good. So I'll give us 7.5. Yes, yes, yes. Especially like the hero calls the the Oracle to die. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was the scam artist too, but maybe he's not. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, damn. Okay. Um, number nine, we're, we're almost there. Um, you Give Me Heart. It was directed by Lestego Verster and written by Nanzi Bogas- Bogatsu. Um, oh, let me let me make sure I remember what one this was. You Give Me Heart. Oh, this one. Okay. Whew. <laughs> okay. So, Sundi enters a contest to become the new god of creativity um and how do you become the new god of creativity one million followers i said oh y'all laid this shit on thick you weren't even trying to be philosophical with this one so there's this whole kind of society where the gods are like influencers (laughs) and 
you have to become the new god of creativity. So he, his god of creativity takes clay sculptures and he can make outfits and things like that. And to the number one goddess, if he, you know, the whole competition is that if you get approved by Madi, the goddess of plenty, the goddess of plenty, you will become the new god of creativity. And so um, during the competition, uh, Sundi ends up embarrassing Tispinky, um, a humming when his clay hummingbird actually tapped his crown, and that's the first time we get to know that under the gods are people, and so they have a god form and then a human form, and so are their regular form, and they have like their god persona or whatever. Um, and so now he has to earn 1 million followers in 24 hours to truly ascend or he'll be basic. And basic bitches get kicked out of heaven never to return. And I was like, well, okay then. Uh, so Tzbinki vows revenge even as he tries to increase his follower account. Sundi is basically creating costumes and stuff for Madi and taking pictures of her which allows him to, his follower account to increase. Um, he ends up recording he was recording one of his hummingbirds come out again ends up showing Madi's true form causing her to lose followers and her goddess status um in anger against the system he causes everything to fall apart uh basically when they give Sundi his god form and introduce him as the new god of creativity uh him and Madi basically team together to make everybody lose their god forms the system for their, I guess, this god system overloads. And Sundi and Madi lock hands, telling the program to delete it all. This story said, why be philosophical when we could tell the entire meaning of everything in your face? (laughs) (laughs) Which I think is a good idea for children. Mm. (laughs) Um, This wasn't my favorite storyline. I did think this was also another animation that reminded me of... um, that reminded me of Cartoon Network mm-hmm. or Nickelodeon. No, Cartoon Network. And it was it's a great message that we shouldn't, you know, believe everything you see on the internet. Mm-hmm. Influencers are not gods. There are people behind screens. Did I miss anything? <laughs> no, that's pretty much it. Um... Be nice, be kind. <laughs> oh, and fuck the system. <laughs> That was a strong fuck the system. Um, I give this one a seven. Yeah, I'd give it like a six. It was Yeah, it was the least it was the least strongest story. Yeah. <sighs> last last but not least we have Inkai. Um directed by uh In Endo Muki and written by Endo Muki. Shiro uh plays with her daughter in Kai but insists she isn't ready to create anything so you see a mother and daughter playing um the they look ethereal they don't look human um and basically they have the ability to create things and when they create things those things come to life and I was like okay that's cool I was like I don't know. I don't know what I where I thought the story was going. I did not think it went. It was going to go in the direction it went, but um, 
um as you know and Kai is like trying to show her mommy mommy I can create things look I'm good at it her mom's like you're not ready yet um you're not ready to create anything yet and so mom Shiro goes out to work again and then Kai worries that her mother is always working but Shiro said she isn't ready to come to earth and I'm like earth okay cool so um on one of the days that her mom is working and kind of neglecting uh in Kai a little bit and Kai ventures out to earth um and ends up in the slums of Kirinyaga Mega City where people are um rapping about exploitation of a mountain by the Euro Kenya uh Kenyan Corporation. Um there's a giant wasp that basically comes and drills in the middle of town square and sucks up energy or whatever. And then Kai of course is scared whatever and she sees her mom fighting these people to not hurt this mountain and and kai almost gets hurt um was it lava that was chasing them maybe that was in the second one i think it was in the second one but this is when she was a child but after seeing how hard her mother was working to protect the mountain to protect earth she says that i'm going to do my best to help my mom and so and kai um grows up a little bit more she's like i want to say her early teens the the next time jump and she's good at creating stuff she's like working on things she's trying to she's trying to make something and so her mother has aged her mother is suffering from eternal pain um she goes to save her but she's like the um the euro kenyan corporation finally takes down the mountain and her mother insists on trying to save Earth, but Shiro's like, "You've done enough. You can't, you can't save them anymore." Um, and she gathered everything she needs from Earth. Uh, after saving her mother in the nick of time, she brings her to a new world named Thayari, saying, "Only humans can save themselves now." And then they enjoy their new life on the new planet that Nkai has created. They said, we will close the series with climate change. (laughs) (laughs) We will show you that humans are the problem. Right. This was also, this was my second favorite character design. Mm -hmm. Um, This one was so pretty. It's so pretty. The character design for Kai and her mother is so pretty to look at. And I hope that Kazaki gets big enough that I get to see little girls be in Kai for Halloween. Cause <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be so adorable. Um, this was another story that was just like, we're not being philosophical. We want you to know that Earth is dying, <laughs> and you have to do something about it. So I thought it was a good message. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a beautiful animation. Um, and so yeah, I give this one like an uh, eight. It was, I think it was more pretty than anything. <laughs> like, right. like I I definitely understand that he was at the problem. <laughs> but yeah, this was so beautiful. Um, thought, so, go ahead. I thought it was really pretty. It was definitely one of those that like, I definitely think you would, if you were older, you might mm-hmm. understand even more what it was trying to say besides just humans need to fend for themselves at the end, like the yeah. little girl said. Um, but it was definitely the best looking one, at mm-hmm. least art wise for me. 
yeah, that was one of my favorites. It's it's that Disney animation, but elevated. Mm-hmm. Which I think is why I like it so much. And just like the makeup, the choice of color, it's so pretty. Okay, what are your top favorite ones? Or your favorite one? My favorite one is Hatima. Is that the... I have to pull up the... Yes. Yeah, that one is definitely my favorite because that's the one that was like, oh, I want more Yeah. out of it. Um, But I think just as a story, like, I'm like, this was really great, would be mm-hmm. Mukuzi, Mukuzi. Uh, Mukuze. Yeah. Mukuze, yeah, Mukuze. Uh, yeah, as a whole, like, yeah. one episode, one shot mm-hmm. thing. I thought that was good. The ones that I definitely wanted more for were Hatima and Surf Sangoma. Because mm-hmm. I, I want history. I want to know why there are squids attacking <laughs> Also, when you think Africa, you do not think surfing. Surfing, like, that is not which is really think. cool. Right. Yes. So there's definitely, like, that would be a really interesting story to delve into. Yes, 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 yes. I think that would be a really good series. But yeah. Um, Animation-wise, I think uh, Mukudesi and Inkire are my favorite. Mm. Followed by Stardust. Mm, I think yeah. mine would have to be The Spirit Racer. Mm-hmm. And then start, and then Inkai, and then Stardust. Yes, yes, yes. So I really like this. I hope, like, similar to Love, Death, and the Robots, that they'll just do another season mm-hmm. of anthologies because I think these are very cool. Right. I think it's, I think it's very cool. I think these are very kid friendly, um, which is always good to have more representation mm-hmm. to show children. Um, and I I enjoyed this a lot. I'm glad we decided to watch this. Right, same. Glad we decided to watch this. Yeah, people have been positively reviewing it, which is good. And I hope, you know, Disney will stop being fuck asses and everybody will get their coin. <laughs> right. Right. So I need more stuff I know- like this yes i need lots of it lots of it lots of it so thank you guys again for listening to us this week we hope you enjoyed this episode and please go support kazazi moto generation fire um legally if you want to um swashbuckle style if you don't uh and let us know what you think tell us which one which episode was your favorite which animation was your favorite and which story you'd like to hear more from um but that'll be all for this week don't forget to leave this five star review uh until next time i'm tori i'm Marin. bye-bye